a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. You're locked on to Hans Olsen and Scotty Chick. Chick, Chick. That's right. Yeah. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Ah, time for our weekly conversation with the man, the myth, the legend. Lloyd calls him, and I think Spherian calls him the job father. Are you a business owner? You have better things than the job hunter. Scramble to find your next great hire. Let Spherian Staffing and Recruiting do it for you. Visit them online at Spherian.com or just shoot off a DM to our guy, Tim Lacombe. Coach, how are you? Good. How are you guys doing? It's, uh... I'm out on the road. I'm out on I-15. I got got a lot of jets flying over the top of me, so that'll tell you what part of the valley I'm in, right up here by Hill Air Force Base. And um, excited to talk to you guys today. Uh, you mentioned Spherion, and yeah, we are we're hiring constantly. Now, a big national brand like Nestle, we actually do all the hiring for their plant here in Utah. Um, so, if you're interested in a gig. You're looking to change or maybe pick up, um, you know, just some part-time stuff. We've got a lot of different things you can look at, and we also can do direct hire and, and headhunting as well. So, yeah, a lot of good things going on, and that's why they call me the job father. But I have heard a rumor that I've been coined something else on this show. Uh, that's just a rumor. Uh, and, yeah. Lloyd, and Lloyd may have said it once. I don't... Nope, straight rumor. Well, I'm going to tell you this right now. You guys have seen that Chris Everett bit you know with uh with rome yeah <laughs> and jim reverend hey you you say dodge father one more time <laughs> we'll see what happens hey i'm hoping you've got a guitar in your hands right now i wish i did it'd be hard to hard to drive i'm i'm a man of many talents but i'm not like i can't do them at once i'm a, i'm not a one-man band i have to have I have to be in my element. So, no, not right now. But I appreciate you guys giving me a shout-out yesterday. I heard that. That was great. Would you ever be up for a jam session? 
where you just come into the studio with your guitar. Uh, Scotty, Lloyd, myself will sit in with you, and we'll just hit some sounds. Yeah, I would love that. I, um, You know, I'm motivated by food and or money or the esteem of others, so I think we could figure something out. We've got at least one of those three. Yeah, yeah, we can correct. We might even two of three. But I, get, I don't know. I don't know about the money part, a, but the food. Yeah, the food and the no, esteem I, we I have in spades. You. Yeah, food like a, a whopper will do it. You know, double whopper, uh, extra onions. Well, that sounds good, actually. I did actually sounds really good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tim Lacombe yeah, joining us. Funny thing, whopper's a funny thing because I'm a I'm a comfort food Big Mac guy. I'm, I'm a McDonald's guy. I always have been, but it is the. You know, the outlier, the one in every 10, you go get that Whopper and you say, why don't I get it more? Anyway, just something that makes you go, hmm. There was a uh, there was a summer of the 99 cent Whopper uh, in college. And let's just say a significant amount of Whoppers were consumed that summer for 99 cents. It was uh, yeah, it was a problem. And uh, the guy behind off the desk said, here comes Whopper boy. Yep, yep, like, uh, yeah, yeah, like, oh, and he's going to order more than one. Let's just count on that. <laughs> All right. I love it. <laughs> so the Jazz losers of four in a row, 0-3 on this road trip, and I think that there were some people now that look at this team and say, okay, this is probably what we should have been doing all along, uh, but kind of give us where you think this team is at right now, and uh, is this a team that will continue to set some guys and uh, maybe stack up some L's down the stretch? Yeah, my guess is yes. Um, you know, I'm definitely not in the camp of this is what we should have been doing all year long because I think there's been a ton of value in going through the process the way it's been it's gone through. I think you, you maintain real integrity to culture. Um, and now, you know, it's just I liked what Coach Cleveland said the other day on DJ and PK one morning. He talked about not as though the Jazz are tanking. They're not going out there and saying lose games. They're just – they moved the roster around enough at this point. They've, they've gotten the little pieces and nuggets of gold out there that they've been able to get, like that Lakers first pick. And in, in so doing, had to kind of water the roster down. And now not as many veterans, a lot of more young guys, dudes that have not been in the situation. And so the end result is you're going to struggle. And then when guys sit out on top of that, it really makes winning next to impossible – um, but all the while, and again, why this is still important, in Dallas the other night, it was Dallas at full strength against a very watered-down Jazz team. And Will Hardy has that team ready to play, and they, again, take it right down to the last possession or two. So there's been real value in what's been crafted this year from a coaching perspective, a trust perspective, a chemistry perspective, but most importantly, a culture perspective. Coach, I'm curious now because we are, as you mentioned, just the way they're running the rosters and the way they're putting some young guys out there and what we get to see from these guys. There are some guys that I think a lot of Jazz fans are curious about their futures potentially with the Jazz. I actually want to start with Johnny Juzang because they've rolled him out a couple of games and given him some minutes. What are you seeing from Johnny Juzang? Does he got a future in this league? And if so, is it with the Jazz? Well, there are a lot of measurables. I mean, he's a, you know, he's a, a pretty positionless guy in terms of his ability to guard multiple positions, and then also, you know, he's got the length and offensively, he's got the game that he could probably 
be you know play multiple positions. So that's a positive. I think the one thing I notice in him is that, you know he's just got to shore up his skill level. You know, ball handling, his ability to make shots uh, consistently, to have more be more than a one trick pony to be able to bounce it. You know, get into the mid range, create contact. So a lot of growth for him. But but I like you know the. I like the elements of who he is right now. I think there's a lot of growth. Just him this year alone, his understanding, working with coaches like Coach Morrison, the G League, who does such a great job, uh, and then obviously Hardy and his staff. He's learning a lot of nuance. And so you you watch all the God-given stuff, and then, as as you know, the things he picks up. And and he'll be an intriguing guy. I I don't know if he'll stick or not. You know, here or in the league, but he's definitely a guy that's that's got a lot of ability in a lot of ways that are impacting the game today. Tim Lacombe joining us right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Um, Chris Dunn uh, on his uh, second 10 day contract. Obviously, tremendous college career, fifth overall pick. The talent is there. Uh, is he got the opportunity to really revitalize his career and uh, and maybe get uh, an extended contract uh, in the offseason? I think Chris Dunn's playing his way into, you know, back into the league. I think what we see out of him really translates a guy that plays hard uh that's really engaged in trying to get stops uh is unselfish has that burst ability to separate and you see him in the open floor take off sometimes it's really striking but i think the biggest thing that he brings is maybe the failure from before um that can really tweak your mindset it can make you do things maybe you weren't humble enough to do the times before but I think whether it be here or somewhere else, what he's doing is really impressive. I mean, the other night he had eight rebounds. He was a leading rebounder for the Jazz against Dallas the other night. So it seems to be a guy that's really, really willing and what looks like able, you know, do a lot of things, dirty things, you know, hard things that help teams win games. Let's talk a little bit about Simone Fontecchio. We've got a pretty good sample size of him at this point. What are you seeing from him, and what's his future in this league? Sorry, I went under a bridge, so I missed who you said. I heard the question, but I didn't say hear you say who. Simone Fontecchio. <clears throat> Simone Fontecchio is a you know a pretty skilled guy. Uh, has struggled at you know for a lot of of time recently at making a lot of shots. But I think there's pieces you see. Um, it's so hard because it comes down to really what a team's looking for. I think if he could become a knockdown shooter, that just like a a guy that you know shooting over forty percent, then I think he could find a place. But I I think that that's what it's going to take. Um, not a good enough ball handler. So I think a guy who tries really hard defensively. Uh, but he's got to become a better shooter, in my mind, to stick long-term. So as you take on Orlando, then uh, you you wrap up this road trip uh, and then come back home after a six-game road trip. Where do you think this team is at in terms of confidence coming down the stretch? Because, you know, obviously they're four games under five hundred at this point. Um, I, I think they're struggling a little bit, uh, but yet they still battled like crazy against Dallas. Like, where do you think the mindset of a team is coming down the stretch with, you know, 17, 18 games left and four games under 500? 
Well, I think these guys all understand that, you know, the playoff race is really tight. And in order to, you know, to be able to make a push, you're going to have to win games. And like I said before, just by virtue of the roster, and then when multiple guys, you know, are sitting for different reasons uh, health-wise, your, your margin for error is going to be really narrow. What I have noticed is this, and it's been a common theme uh, when the Jazz with the Jazz all year long, and it's been a, a simple phrase that Coach Hardy's used, and I think he uses it regardless of the lineup and regardless of the task at hand, is play hard, you know, lead with playing hard. Because if you play hard in this league, good things are going to happen. We saw that the way this team started the year. They really took people by surprise with how hard they play. And so I think, number one, play hard. And then I think number two has been pass the ball, share the ball. Um, you know, do it together. So, you know, in a night where Lowry's not out there, Clarkson doesn't feel like he has to get, you know, 40 points because there's other guys that can, you know, when their time comes, they can make a big deal about it. So I think those two things have been a constant. I think this team understands the big picture. Um, I don't think there's a ton of pressure either way, like make the playoffs or don't. But I think what is pretty set is that the roster's narrow and thin compared to, and and pulled back from what it was to start the season. So I don't think losing is coming is any surprise, but I also think they do a, they're doing a great job of managing – really selling this as opportunity and reps for these young guys. Like, where are you going to get go find 30 minutes? Uh, where are you going to go start a game at this time of year? So a lot of those things, you know, it's a developmental time for, a lot, for, for all of these guys, including the coaches. All right, so I'm going to make you the head coach of the Phoenix Suns for just a minute. And you just saw what happened with Kevin Durant in the pregame warm-ups when they were taking on OKC last night. Twists his ankle bad. He sets his entire oh, yeah. ankle down on the court. It's a bad twist. Ends up in a boot. He's had three games with Phoenix. So three games, three opportunities with Chris Paul and Booker and Aiton and the crew. And now he's got this bad twisted ankle. Would you feel comfortable just taking Kevin Durant to the postseason? Or would you feel pressed to get him back for a couple games how would you handle or manage this injury for Kevin Durant? Uh, no, I wouldn't push it. Uh, obviously, I think the one caveat, I thought Phoenix would would really gel once Kevin, you know, KD joined them. And my one caveat was as long as he stays healthy, because you guys mentioned it earlier in the show, he's coming off, you know, prior injury, and all those things are intertwined, you know, Um I had the awesome experience, Dr. Craig Bueller, who did a ton with the Jazz, and he worked with Stock and Malone during the majority of their career. Pretty innovative chiropractor. And he, you know, he, he really, he worked on me a bunch because I'm old and getting frail. This is back when I had access to it all the time with, coach, with uh, coaching. But, you know, just the way everything's interconnected. And, you know, if you're weak here, you're going to compensate here and you're going to put this at risk. Um, and so I think what has happened, obviously, is KD. You know, every we've got we've seen guys go through warmups like there wasn't like he wasn't trying to be, you know, spectacular. He was literally going through it and slip, not even slip, just rolled his ankle. And so I would make sure he's good. Um, like you guys, it puts everything Phoenix is trying to do in peril. And you know, it's a great lesson for a young owner who everybody was congratulating for a couple of weeks and. Now, you know, they gave up a ton to get this guy and make this run. So you just, 
you hold your breath because uh, major sacrifice taken, and now we just wait and see what the docs say and how how he really is able to come back. Hmm. How uh, how let's just say Morant is out for the regular season before he finally gets an opportunity to play. For Memphis, uh, and, and I know there's all the uh, just putting all the off the off the uh, court stuff aside for a moment. How can Memphis try to right the ship and keep it going without Jaw, or is it impossible? No, I think that they, you know, they're built. You talk about culture, you know, and I've been really impressed. I was actually impressed with that team before anybody was even really talking about them. Uh, we had the opportunity during COVID. The Grizzlies came in and played one of these back home stands against the Jazz, and it was back when they only let you know fifteen hundred people in the arena. So I sat pretty close to the floor, up above, with the mask on, and watched the game. And it was so telling early on that Memphis was there to play. I mean, they were laying wood to the Jazz. Their physicality, the bench was up cheering, and you know I took note of it. And I've been able to kind of sit back and watch Taylor Jenkins do what he does. And he's, he's great with culture, and, and that culture is being tested right now. But it's why you invest in it, and um, certainly a lot of swirling around. But I think you do have the pieces, you know, other all-stars, other really veteran players that can step in, but it's going to take a concerted effort. It's going to take a real concerted effort to then really tap into that culture and, you know, hide your time, hide the storm until you can get him back. And hopefully, you know, he learns his lesson. What a great guy, uh, great young player. And, you know, a good kid who's just got mixed up in some bad stuff, and it happens. You know, I, I don't want to cancel this kid, but, I, I, again, as somebody that watches these dudes play and the opportunity they have to affect the world for good in so many ways, he's just hopefully somebody can get to him and he can make better decisions going forward. I know Craig Smith has got Utah going in the right direction. I mean, 11 wins last year, 17 wins this year. And I love Craig. You know, I think he's a great dude and a great coach. And so I, I feel like uh, Utah's going to get it going. But going a year where I don't know if Utah or BYU are going to get NIT invites, and I'm sure both would turn down the CBI or whatever else tournaments are out there. I mean, to, for both teams not to go – to postseason play, I mean, I it just bums me out. I mean, I started sports radio when when Utah and BYU were both cooking and and Majerus and Cleveland and and things were rocking here in the state. And it just, I don't know, coach, it just kind of bums me out that Utah and BYU are you know kind of took a step backwards in basketball. Yeah, and it's hard, man. It's it's a new era, and I think everybody's trying to adjust to it. Certainly. Now, I've read ad nauseum the, the WCC over the last, you know, couple of weeks and how, you know, quote-unquote disappointing it was that BYU never won the league uh, or conference championship, which I totally get. Uh, you know, I think you have to look beyond. You've got to look at why. What are the extraneous circumstances in this situation this year? Um, you know, everybody knows about NIL, but it's kind of burning below the – surface and you can kind of give guys money and you kind of can and some teams have it really wired in guys the entire thing college basketball is about staffing and recruiting it's just like spirion man you got to have players you got to have people that can move the needle and you know that's what it has to get back to i think uh, you know it's it, we all got spoiled for a long time you know 
sat and watched uh, Coach Rose and Coach Majerus and, you know, uh, Coach Morrill at Utah State uh, go to NCAA tournaments like, you know, going to a candy store and getting a five-penny candy. But the, the landscape's changed, and I think it's going to help. With BYU going to the power, a power conference, it's, going to, it's obviously going to be a major, major learning curve. But that tournament, the NCAA tournament, is made for the power conferences. And it's yeah. become more and more that way over the past. But seven years for sure. It's harder to get in that tournament when you do not have somebody really hitting for you. Um, and, you know, WCC can only hit so much. And um, so, yeah, you hope like crazy that, that these guys can get uh, get some players in there and kind of move the needle. They're, they're not far away. I mean, BYU won 19 games this year. Uh, that's a hell of a lot of games, and they lost a lot of games by a point or two, you know, some really crushing losses. Yeah. Well, Coach, appreciate your time as always, and I uh, look forward to catching up again here soon. You up or down down there? Have you, have you hit the tables? Are you, do you divulge that, or your home teacher's listening? Oh, I, I don't. I don't. I don't partake in any of that. He does I, not uh, indulge. You don't do any of that? No. Nope. Okay. No. Nope. He does not abide. Right. Well, no, the whole somebody that does have them throw a hundred on blacks for me. You got it. I, I, you know, we're actually in a hotel that uh, we used to stay in the South Point, which has a great poker yeah. room. And, uh, you know, it's not like, look, it's not the nicest hotel, but I don't care about that. I, I care about, you know, do we got some uh, five, ten dollar blackjack tables and do you have a good poker room? And and so I, I enjoyed the South Point because of that, but now we are not in the South Point. We are in a non-casino hotel because the coaching oh, so you staff. Oh, got to make an effort. Got so you. I got to make an effort to get to a table, and I haven't made that happen yet. Nor will I if anybody else is listening. So there you go. Appreciate I'm it, really coach. Proud of you. I, I know you've been on. <laughs> you've been seven years now without placing the bet, and I'm really proud of you. Not a single bet over the last seven years. My guy. Nope. See you. And and Hans and I wouldn't even know how to make a bet. Nope. Hey, I haven't lost a game since 2019, so top that. There you go. Now we're top, now we're cooking. Thank you. Right, Thanks, you coach. Boys. All right, we'll see you. <laughs> Can't wait. The great for, Tim Lacombe. Can't wait for our next video, Scotty. I know, right? I just and and they just come out of the blue too, like uh, you know, a random Tuesday night. We'll get a video on the text of Coach Lacombe just strumming the guitar and singing, and it's awesome. This last one was probably my favorite, I think, but they're all good. You guys remember when I was got really sick and yeah. I was praying to the porcelain gods? Yeah. I was curled around the toilet, and he actually sent me a song. He didn't know I was sick, but I got the song, and I'm like, I'm sitting there just like laying on the floor on the bathroom, uh. and it was a song of him singing. I was like... Oh, that makes me feel oh, so much better. That, it does. It helps. It did. It helps. Would you stop sending out political tweets, Hans? What'd you <laughs> do? Oh, my gosh. That's way worse than anything I've ever done. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not. By a mile. Just have a little fun. Oh, boy. I'm going to have to send out an email to the staff. <laughs> uh, I thought it was actually pretty funny. Dude. What? What are you doing? It's a fun tweet. It's fun. Hey, guys. Just want to remind the staff, um, we may have had a recent situation where somebody may have tweeted something out political. Just want to remind everybody that 
we don't delve into that. If anybody has any questions, feel reach out to me. Looks like some of you may not have seen the previous email that was sent out seven years ago. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna uh, like that. <laughs> Go like like it all you want. I think it's crazy. Hans Olson, Scott Gerard, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Your home for Real Salt Lake is right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. It's the 2023 home opener. Real Salt Lake returning to Sandy to face Austin, the team that knocked him out of the playoffs a year ago on penalties. The pregame show starts at 6.30 on the RSL Radio Network. First kick at 7.30 here on The Zone. Catch every moment of every RSL match right here on your exclusive home of Real Salt Lake. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's time to saddle up and talk about the winners and the losers. This is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, here's the good. It is your good, it is your bad, it is your ugly, and it's all brought to you by Zero Res. Get those carpets cleaned. Killer deal going on right now with Zero Res, where you can get three rooms cleaned for less than 90 bucks, $89.95. All you have to do is call 801-288-9376 or schedule online at Zero Res Salt Lake or ZeroResDavisWeber.com. And Hans, let's start with the good. And I think this is good because I think this guy is old, he's angry, he's lost his uh, fastball, and it's good to see him go away from the game of basketball because I don't think he's a particularly good human being. Jim Beheim stepping down as the head coach of Syracuse. He has been the head coach for the last 47 years with the Orange. 78-year-old, started his uh, career at Syracuse and his assistant in 1969, became the head coach in 1976. Racked up four Final Four appearances, five Big East Tournament championships, won the national championship with uh, Carmelo Anthony back in 2003. But uh, I don't know if you hear a lot of press conferences with this guy. He likes to bully, especially student radio and student newspaper guys, and uh, it's time for him to go away. Well, he is – it's definitely time to go, but he is going to be a Hall of Famer. He is – if I think he is already a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, he's done a lot in the world of college basketball, but it does feel like the game and the current college landscape has passed him up. That's just insane, though. 1976 to 2023 is an incredible accomplishment. And you're right. There have been multiple hiccups along the way, including one not too long ago – where, yeah, it was, what, within the last three years where he hit somebody on the road? Yeah. Was it about- that? And he just went, I think, just barely went out another student. Like, I've got audio from the, his last uh, final press conference. He went out another student. He went out like student, a, another, somebody student. that was asking him about retirement, yes. Yeah. Do you like, want, do you you got wanna, that audio? Do you want to play it? Yeah, look – Look at listen to this gem from a kid who's just doing his job and knowing that the guy's been on the job for forty seven years and asked about retirement and here comes Jim Beheim with his normal class 
you know, uplifting self, helping out a, a young student trying to learn his way in the business? I've just been lucky to be able to coach this long. I, I think you missed it. <clears throat> I gave my retirement speech on the court last Saturday, and I gave it in the press conference afterwards, and nobody except William, William Payne figured it out. Are you, are you saying right now that you're, you, you're going to retire? This is up to the university. You, you want to come back? I didn't say that. Uh, okay, but, so what are you saying? You're not saying you're retiring, but you're I not I just saying- said it. I don't know. So you don't know. Okay. I said this is up to the university. And you, you're not sure whether you're, when will you, when will, how will you make a determination about when you will come back? You're talking to the wrong guy. What? All right. So that was, that was actually from last night. I thought this was the one from uh, a week or two ago. Yeah. Yeah. I know this one from last night. And, and yeah, because it was interesting. I saw the reports on this one where they're like, oh, this wasn't how he responded a couple of weeks ago. So do you think Jim Beheim was fired then? Because he didn't say he wanted to come back, but did say it was up to the university. Um, I, and immediately after the game, I mean, a few hours late last night, it was determined that he wouldn't come back. So I don't, I don't, I have a hard time figuring out what he's trying to say and, and what the approach was there. I don't think he was fired. I just think he was strongly encouraged and he may have been told you're not coming back. Uh, how do you want to handle this? And it might've been a Ron McBride kind of thing where Utah, kind of wanted to move on from Ron McBride and Ron wasn't ready and knew he had some talent and had worked hard for the talent that was in that pool. And maybe Jim Beheim had some big goals and big dreams for this roster and he still wanted to come back and coach, but the university said, no, we're, we're done with it. We're done. It, it does feel like it was a little conflictive based off of some of that back and forth that Lloyd just played. Yeah. Interesting. All right. There's your good. Let's get to the bad. Now the bad. I don't. I don't know if you're actually going to be able to hear much of this audio. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Uh, I love this so much. This is crazy. You see, NBA players will go after officials from time to time. They know they're going to get fined, but very rarely do you hear them call out an official by name multiple times. Very rarely do you have it explicit laced. And very rarely do you hear it be as vitriolic as it was coming from Fred Van Vliet last night of the Toronto Raptors. He was called for a technical foul with about seven minutes left in the third quarter. And this is what he had to say about the officials after the game. I mean, I don't mind. I'll take a fine. I don't really care. I thought, you know, um, Ben Taylor was terrible tonight. Um, I thought that on most nights, you know, couple other you know out of the three there's one or two that just the game up you know and it's, it's it's been like that a couple couple games in a row um denver was tough obviously you come out tonight you're competing pretty hard the third quarter i get a tech changes the whole dynamic of the game changes the whole flow of the game and um you know most of the refs are trying hard i like a lot of the refs are trying hard they're pretty fair they communicate well and then you got the other ones who just want to be and um just kind of the game up nobody's coming to see that they come to see the players, and um, I think we're losing a little bit of the fabric of what the NBA is and was, and um, it's been disappointing this season. Um, you can look up most of my texts this year have been with Ben Taylor officiating, so at a certain point as a player, you feel it's personal, and um, it's never a good place to be. That's not why we lost tonight. We got outplayed, um, but it definitely makes it tougher. Woo! I'm, I'm giving wow. it a standing ovation. I'm, I'm standing. That is awesome. That was hot fire. And you know what? 
Ben Taylor, he's right. Ben Taylor is not a good official. Scott Foster is not in a good uh, not a good official. Like you can go down the list. There's some guys out there that not only are they not great at their job, but they also want to make it about them. Scott Foster wants the whole world to know that he's officiating an NBA game, and it's ridiculous and it's stupid. And the NBA's got to address it. And Fred Van Fleet is going to lose. I don't know what would you guess? Maybe twenty five to fifty thousand dollars on this. Um, this is unprecedented, Hans. I can't think of a, you know, you hear guys complain about officials, but you're right, where somebody goes specifically after one guy and says, I think it's personal with him. That's a huge claim to make, and Adam Silver is going to lose his mind over it, but he's also setting a precedent. It's like, all right, so next game, how quick are you going to give me another technical, Ben? Because I just put you on blast for the whole world to see. So the next time, and I would, frankly, I'd be surprised if the NBA schedules another game with Ben uh, Ben Foster with uh, with the Toronto Raptors. I just can't see that happening because as soon as that happens, every call he makes is going to be so heavily scrutinized in that game. Well, Van Vliet's got eight texts so far this season. I don't know how many came from Ben Taylor. The official that uh, Van Vliet called out, but according to him, it's more than one. It sounds like it's more than two. I would be interested to know how many of the eight were actually called by Ben Taylor, and it really might be personal. Fred Van Vliet might be rubbing him the wrong way. May have said something to him at the beginning of the season. May have said something to him last year. At some point, he may have been rubbed the wrong way, and he's quick to blow the whistle and call the tech. And techs are important for those of you that don't know about the technical foul situation. You rack up enough of them, and you serve a game suspension. And it resets in the postseason, and then it can happen in the postseason as well. So you don't want to rack up those techs. I think, what is the fine system on it, Scott? It's $1,000 each tech or $1,500 each tech, and, and there's an escalator on there, isn't there? Yeah, Yeah, to the point where you get suspended for a game, too, and I can't remember what that number is. So there are a lot of repercussions of getting these texts and if they're just be call they're if they're being called loosey goosey like that, I can understand why Fred wants to get out in front of this. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. And look, if nothing else, I think he really flat out guaranteed that Ben Taylor will not officiate another Raptors game this year. Yeah. I I can't imagine the NBA would do that because uh, it's just the the media scrutiny and the fan scrutiny on that next game um, is just going to be enormous. So if if he had to pay twenty five thousand or fifty thousand or whatever the number is going to be to ensure that Ben Taylor never officiates a a Raptors game for the rest of the season, I think he may have just done that. Yep. All right, there's your bad. Time for the ugly, and of course the ugly. Man, I don't know what's wrong with people. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with guns right now and the the ridiculousness of it. But right when the NBA doesn't need any more attention with the guns, former NBA star Sean Kemp fired a gun during a parking lot altercation. He was arrested. He was handed down a felony. He is in a lot of trouble. He was put into custody and... The last thing this league needs right now, Scotty, is another gun situation. And I know he's not a current player in the NBA, but he certainly is one of the faces of the NBA. No doubt. This just 
feels like another compounding effect of so many things that are going on in our country. It all happened in Tacoma, Washington. The video's out there. Witnesses heard a couple of shots, Scotty, so they got out their cell phone com- cameras. They started recording, and there's Sean Kemp. Now, he's at a distance because the guy that was filming was kind of tucked behind the entryway. But he was filming Sean Kemp. Sean points the gun at the car, fires once, I think, that's only caught on film. And then he gets in the car. He drives around. He ditches the gun. And then he's motioning for the cops to come over to the vehicle. <laughs> thinking maybe that he wasn't caught on video. And lo and behold, the video surfaces. They find the gun in the bushes. And he was booked for felony drive-by shooting at 5.58 p.m. at the Pierce County Jail yesterday. Oh, boy. They identified him clearly because he's a massive human being, but he also had this bright coat on. And there was a photo of him that surfaced in this cannabis shop that and i don't know if he's a part of it i know he's starting into the cannabis operations but he was in this photo same day with that same gear on and cops are like all right well that's a really bright orange coat or bright red i can't remember if it was orange or red when i watched the video this morning and it was it was a pretty quick close and shut case there scotty it's like you know when you make a you do something stupid or your kid does something stupid and they realize that they did something stupid so they try to like backtrack and say oh yeah I'm gonna go you know like it just all of a sudden it seems like Sean Kemp all of a sudden realized oh I screwed up bad you ditch the gun then you yell over the cops like hey something happened over here I I just I heard a shot I don't know where it came from it's like oh Sean you're in trouble man yeah Sean Kemp's gonna be in a lot of trouble for this. Yeah, because he, and, uh, it kind of looked like he pointed the gun downwards towards the car yeah. from the video. Yeah, it, It's not like he fired it in the air to try to summon some help. It, it looked like he kind of tilted the gun. According to Alex Curie, having grown up in that area, Mama teaches you there is never a reason to go to the Tacoma Mall. Apparently nothing good happens in the Tacoma Mall area. <laughs> So, rule of thumb, don't be in the Tacoma Mall area. Hey, I'm sure my guy Sean's got a lot of child support payments he's got to make, too. He can't go away for too long. There's a lot of mouths to feed there. That is the truth. I'm just looking at it again. It's a red vest. He's 53 years old. Scotty, you're making these decisions. You're 53. You really should be on the up and up doing better things. Look, John Morant. Needs to know better. But John Morant's in his early 20s, right? Yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not excusing what John Morant did, but you could say, oh, he's young and stupid. And Jalen Rose actually had a really good comment on ESPN where he's like, look, I was young and stupid and did dumb things. And sooner or later, you got to learn and figure out how you got to be in your life. Sean Kemp's 53 years old. That's a grown A man. You can't yeah. be, can't be doing that. Well, and this isn't his first rodeo with law enforcement. He's had no. multiple run ins over the years with law enforcement. Yeah, it's a bad deal. Can I, by the way, can I tell you how much of a sh- – I loved Sean Kemp back in the day. When Did I was you? in high school, oh, my gosh, I had a pair of his kamikaze shoes. Uh, I, I loved everything about Sean Kemp. Converse? The, the, was it a Converse? Was no, it was Reebok. Brand? Reebok, okay. Reebok, yeah. I love listening to Bill Walsh talk about Sean Kemp. Did you kill Bill Walsh? <laughs> 
Or not Bill Walsh. Oh, Bill I was like, Walton. Wait, wait, Bill what? Walton. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Bill Walton talk about Sean Kemp. <laughs> Uh, hands of Scotty, 1254, uh, Whole World News next, right here on The Zone. Remember when you played for the 49ers? Yeah. Yeah, did you kill Bill Walsh? This is, this is DJ and PK. Eric Walden joins us right now. Is it plausible that the Jazz could win two or three games the rest of the way? Yeah, and I wouldn't be shocked if that would happen. Just at the same time, like, we've consistently seen that Will Hardy is going to have these guys playing hard, you know? And at this point of the season, like, that counts for something, and maybe that undermines what the front office is hoping to accomplish a little bit. They know exactly where they are. They know exactly where they have the potential to wind up, and they are hoping for it. I think the front office was hoping for it from the outset of the season. I think they underestimated how good this team would be, and now they're trying to make up for it. Really, the formula at this point is less Markinen, less Kessler, and then you've got a really great shot at racking up a bunch of losses in a row. Catch DJ and PK, mornings from 6 to 10. Presented by Murdoch Chevrolet. Proudly serving Utah since 1926. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. It's time to span the globe for the hard-hitting news you care about. Well, not really. But hey, at least we found it interesting. This is Whole World News. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. We've got, we got the, the whole world in our hands. We've got the whole world in our hands. We've got the whole world in our hands. Hands and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. It is time for another edition of Whole World News. We span the globe to try to find something that hopefully you find interesting, maybe a little amusing. Um, although I'm looking at today's whole world news, I don't think there's anything amusing about this, but no. it's certainly, certainly fascinating, to say the least. Yeah, it is fascinating. We try to have a little bit of fun here on whole world news, and sometimes things take a turn for the serious. I just thought that this is one of the more fascinating stories I've seen in a while. It's a report of an Illinois woman who reported her husband missing back in April, all the way back in April, and it took until December 11th to find him. Turns out that she reported him missing in Madison County to the coroner's office, and she actually, sorry, to the police office or the police department, and they came out and they did a full search. They looked through the entire house and they reported that the residence looked like a hoarder's home. So most people, I think, have seen hoarder. The whatever TLC or whatever that show is, A Hoarder's Life or whatever it is. And the officers reported it as being a hoarder's home. They also said that it had a sewer-like odor that came from the home. Uh. They searched it and they found nothing. The strange thing was this woman, Jennifer Madge, she told police that her husband had left the park, the truck parked outside, left his wallet and his keys behind, and she found no traces of her husband. Well, a couple of days go by. She has the officers come back out because she said that there is a strange odor that was coming from the house. They came back out. They found nothing. Eventually, they called a plumber. The plumber came out 
to the home and put a cap on a sewer pipe in the basement. They kind of felt like that's where the odor was coming from. Now, fast forward eight months to December 11th. Oh, I don't want to hear any of this. This woman was moving some things that were stacked up against a closet door. Um, This door is an access to a storage area. It's got a door hidden behind clothes in a crowded closet under a stairway. So it's a smaller door and it's a crowded closet. You can picture the hoarder and all the stuff that's stacked up against it. She moved all the stuff. She opened up the door and... There he was, eight months later, her husband, in that closet, of of course, deceased, and it is a complete mystery that this thing goes on that long. Eight months. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible. Is there a dog, dog in the house? No, there's no dog in the house. Okay. No, there was no dog in the house that that was reported. I would imagine that there were other little creatures, but no dogs. <laughs> I mean, how can you live like that? I've I mean, heard, honestly, I I've heard a lot of crazy stories in my life, but all right, do you think something nefarious happened? I mean, or do you think the old man just had a heart attack and killed over? Like, well, it was. The official report on the death certificate is suicide. Mm. Okay. So that was the official report. It's what she claimed, and it's what was put in, and they've run some investigations, and to this point, they've found and nothing. never ran away. <laughs> they've found nothing to suspect foul play, but there's a lot of questions I have. In regards to this story, it, it's it's unbelievable. I uh, I would continue to run investigations. It's really hard to lose a spouse in a home, and at some point when they were searching that home, and I know my house really well, and I would assume everybody knows their house really well, but at some point during the search, I would say. Uh, there is a closet access that's under the staircase case, and it's actually back behind the closet. Oh, and I've got all this stuff piled up on it. Maybe you should check in there. But, hey, I'm not the investigator. I'm not there on the scene. But, Scotty, eight months, weird smells. I'm going to go through and, and do a thorough check of every nook and cranny of my home. Well, I mean, let's be honest here. If somebody is missing from your home and then you get to hear a weird and or you start to pick up a weird scent, you should probably start digging through that house if you truly care about that person. Now, if you're trying to hide something that you may have done, okay, then maybe that's a little different, but still, it's not okay. Yep. Oh man! Usually, I try to make some jokes off yep. of this, but I just don't feel like there's any. I mean, yeah, I don't know. And usually, I try to set up stories that we could have a little bit of fun with. But this was just a fascinating story. Yeah, you can find it on your own. It's uh, the Madge family, and you can read through the police officers' release on information what they found. It's Jennifer Madge and Richard Madge. 
53 years old, again, in Madison County, Illinois. All right. Well, with that, Hans and Scotty, 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone. Uh, a lot of college hoops coming up later today. Utah State in action. They will take on New Mexico coming up. A late tip-off uh, coming up later on this Wait, evening. Hey, guys. Right here on 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.